For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And today on the program, um, vegan food, very popular in Montreal, and there's a new chain that's uh, creating a lot of buzz called Copper Branch, and we'll profile the uh, co-founders. It's you know, it's a it's a great new brand. Maybe not so new anymore. It's been around a, a good two three years, uh, but fantastic food and a, and a great story. So we'll have uh, Andrew and Rio Infantino from Copper Branch on the program. Also, Natalie Riviere of Pivizio on the do's and don'ts of online branding. That is later in the program. But first, as usual, just a bit of a chat on entrepreneurial news and notes. And let's begin with this report, Josh, uh, about uh, the big business trends coming up in 2018. Uh, this is from, a, uh, a, I guess, suppose a data mining company. Um, can you tell me about uh, so, sort of the top 10 trends that have been uh, chosen for uh, for 2018 sure and these are uh, th this is from tableau they they've been offering software for for data management and mining for for a number of years so they came out with their top trends for 2018 in the business intelligence side so it's not top business trends not top entrepreneurial trends this is the top trends in business intelligence so which is huge because as as we know you know, Internet of Things and, and big data. It's you know we've been talking about it for a number uh, a number of months and, and and certainly with a lot of entrepreneurs, but it's it's definitely 2018 huge. So uh, you know to talk about some of the top ten, um, they, they're talking about academics investment there where universities are going to start putting out programs to understand big data to understand data to to train how to how to handle the analytics and all that because it's so much information that that is that is out there that is available when you start measuring how do you want to end it all so the academics the universities are really going to get into this or that, that's the predictions are really going to get into this full force and teaching all I got to do is find the right teachers and professors to, to get that done. Understanding the analytics is is huge. We've all heard of the Internet of Things. Well, now they start saying the location of things because the Internet of Things, big data, it's everywhere. Location of things is really more regional. More if it, you know, it's great as as myself. I'm walking around. I like uh, I, I like BlackBerry. Yes, I I still admit it on air. Uh, I, I like you know certain cars. I like certain restaurants. I like certain uh, lines of clothing. So that's big, but but when I start getting drilling down to regional, to where I am in Montreal and what I'm doing, that's when the region or the location of things kind of starts being a subset of the Internet of Things, and that's where that's where local businesses and local retailers can really focus on that. It's I mean it's information overload. Uh, certainly, Dan, you know information uh, as you see in your side of it. It's it's information everywhere. Measure what you manage, right? That's mm -hmm. what you tell your clients. Absolutely. And the more information you have, the better decisions you're going to make uh, about your online presence. Speaking of which, I love number one on the list here. Uh, don't fear AI. It, that's interesting because it's going to become something that's going to become uh, more accessible for even medium or small businesses. Well, and I think it's it's already here. I mean, everybody's seeing it already. You're, we we keep talking about the chatbots that are out there. Uh, or, or certainly, you know, cars that start driving themselves a little less so today, a little more so tomorrow. But AI is here. You look at you look at the the different uh, softwares available. You look at the the thinking software, and it's it's just, some people don't see it. It's it's running behind the scenes often, but AI is here. Don't fear AI. It is it is coming in. But 
then you can kind of say, well, what's AI going to do to, you know, the, the industry and the different sectors? Is that the new industrial revolution of today? But will it replace lower level jobs or will it start replacing higher level jobs? And that's, I think that's a bit of fear that, uh, that business owners and entrepreneurs can say is what, what is it really, what is it really uh, going to be replacing? But don't fear AI because it's here. So might as well embrace it and, and make the most of it. This another one, number six, um, that, that I'm curious about is crowdsourced governance. Uh, does that mean that you're basically uh, running your business like a democracy and, and voting on uh, measures among your, your staff? No, but no. What it, what it really means is there's a lot of surveys online. There's a lot of questionnaires that people answer. But if they're not answering it truthfully, you're going to get incorrect data. So the this this notion of crowdsourced crowdsourced governance is really about people being true to themselves when they're answering or when they're replying or dealing with surveys or what have you so that the data that's being collected and mined and translated into an actionable item or actionable event is actually meaningful and isn't just gibberish so crowdsource governance and i think that's something that's that's going to take time to evolve because not everybody wants to share exactly all their information but uh, but that's that's something that that's going to evolve over time and still important if you want to get the right data. You can check out that report from Tableau. It's called the 2018 Top 10 Business Intelligence Trends. Uh, also in entrepreneurial news, um, adult children as partners. I guess this is becoming more popular, I suppose, especially as millennial generation perhaps struggling to get the career going and settling for the family business. Um, what's what's a, a good strategy to bring your uh, your adult children into the business? Well, I, I think this this article really was about the the. I guess, more senior entrepreneurs or more experienced entrepreneurs that have worked and that are in their retirement years that want to start their own business because the, the, the source of the article or really the, 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 the thrust of the article was more that people are living longer and you might not have all the savings you need to live those longer years. So what are you going to do to supplement? Pensions aren't always there or not sufficient. So people are getting into running their own business or starting their own business. Now they have their children that are grown. It's not like they're starting a business when their kids are infants. They're starting a business when their kids are in their late 20s or 30s or maybe sometimes early 40s, depending. And they can be a great resource. Not only that, but because of the generation, because of these baby boomers were, are closer to their children from a relationship standpoint versus previous generations, it's easier to work with them. So taking the experience of, of the older generation and the baby boomers, essentially, and combining it with uh, a younger skill set, uh, but that younger skill set that wants to get into that entrepreneurial world, that's where the article drives from. And that's, that's where it's, it's kind of melding. It's not bringing somebody in after you've been in business for 30 years. It's starting off from day one with your children and trying to get that, that notion, that, that off the right foot together. The parents are going to bring credibility. They're going to bring finance. The, their kids are going to bring fantastic ideas and, uh, and technology, and together could make for a great team. But no doubt, you're still partners, and you still got to iron out what you got to iron out because you're sometimes going home together. In a related story, this is from Les Affaires, une puissante vague de transfert d'entreprise est anticipée, which means that a, a wave of, uh, of business transfers are, are expected in the coming years, and uh, for the reasons that you just mentioned. It's and this is this is actually not news. You know, BDC came out with a, a report uh, a short while ago, a couple of months ago, and it says you know talks about the 
big percentage of businesses that are that are transferring. Well, this is this has actually been in the news quite a number of, of time. If you kind of go back uh, five years, four or five years, they say that seventy percent of businesses are going to transfer to the next generation or to another another uh, a third party over the next ten years. Now the you know the percentages come down a little bit because we've evolved through some of that. But the, the numbers can be absolutely outstanding. There is no question that there has to be transition. Also, people don't necessarily want to keep their businesses forever, and they're learning that your business is not necessarily your baby. Make the most of it and sell it. But there is no doubt that there is a lot of transition going on, which means there's a lot of opportunity for buyers. There's a lot of opportunity for even service companies to assist those entrepreneurs to pass it on either next generation or, or to a third party because not every entrepreneur is equipped for that. So that is, that is a way. And then there's the finance side of it where you're going to need money to buy out that next generation. So there's, there's lots of effect in the economy about this. This is a story from uh, Inc.com about a small retailer that uh, has found some success in transforming itself every single year. And this is actually uh, a story that, that talks more about the product in and of itself is interesting. You know, they take uh, sales from sailboats and they make different products from it every year. And they it's all about that recycling. And at the end of every season, uh, a, a, you know, boatmaster can you know comes in and and says okay I want to trade this in and you'll make stuff out of it this is more about reinventing yourself this is more a story about being being a little different each year and and attracting the people but it's also about pop-up stores and that's what I want to mention sometimes you have a great product and you don't need that long-term lease or maybe you need some base but these pop-up stores where you can be in the right place at the right time for a short period of time might be some of the best marketing you can do Find that great location, find it for a short period of time, inundate it, and move on. All right, let's talk about vegan food in a moment with Andrew and Rio Infantino of Copper Branch. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur. And let's chat with our guests this evening. We welcome Andrew and Rio Infantino of Copper Branch, 100% uh, natural sourced, plant-based fast food. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So first, tell us a little bit more about uh, Copper Branch. Uh, do you want to take this one? Sure. Uh, go so, ahead, Andrew. Wait, Andrew? Yeah. Copper Branch is a 100% plant-based power food restaurant chain. We are a fast casual chain focusing on serving whole foods, plant-based, really bringing uh, you know quality foods to our community. We wanted to make a difference in, uh, in the food industry, and we're a growing chain, and so it's really an exciting future ahead. Fast casual, is that instead of fast food? Yeah, the uh, fast casual industry, it's obviously a elevated industry compared to fast food. It's, uh, of course, quick serve, but our restaurant environment, our design, and of course, the quality of the food is all elevated. And so uh, that's why we use the term fast casual. Now, where did this come from? I guess I'll turn to Rio, uh, you know, uh, father of Andrew, just so people know. Yeah. And kind of where, where did this idea come from? Where is your experience before this? Copper Ranch? Well, basically, I wanted to create something that uh, would uh, nourish people and uh, we'd have uh, quick access to food uh, on the road. That was my, uh, my issue when I was on the road. I had nowhere good to eat. I was looking for something quick, which, uh, and, you know, I had to appeal to my gourmet taste buds. And uh, I said, you know, it, it's definitely something lacking out there. And uh, 
So that's where I started thinking, and uh, you know, this this idea was born. You have experience with running franchises. I did. I was with um, Subway for about uh, 19 years, and as a multi-unit franchise owner, and uh, definitely a lot of experience there. And before that, I did work with McDonald's, so I learned a lot of operations uh, and franchising as well. And if if somebody wanted to start their own today, do you think they could do it without all that knowledge? Big uphill battle? Anything's possible with a dream. I think, uh, you know, if you have a dream, uh, you can have anything happen. So, uh, you know, as long as you're willing to uh, do the research, uh, do the reading, and, uh, uh, you know, seek out what's out there so that you can uh, grow the business. Now, you, you, you were in this, you've been in this game for a long time, and you're kind of switching gears going from franchisee to franchisor. How, how is that? You know, how, how did that change or what did you learn? What did you learn from a, from a, being a franchisee, what you wanted to bring to the franchisor side of things? Well, the franchisee, I did realize the needs that uh, franchisees have. So being in that space for uh, almost 20 years, it made me very sensitive to uh, understanding what, uh, you know, small entrepreneurs of that nature need to build their businesses. And so I feel I can now uh, focus on that and give them uh, what they need to grow the business. And at the same time, we uh, mutually grow, grow the brand. When you look at Copper Branch locations, some of them, uh, it seems, are in food courts. And uh, visually, they look very similar to some of the competitors, you know, bright big pictures, uh, qu quick service. Was, was your idea to sort of model yourself after the Subways and McDonald's? So if I may, I, Copper Branch, really, our branding philosophy is to always create a quality image. And we want to stand out, I think, from, you know, the typical competitors. At the end of the day, um, it's really about the food that we're serving, focusing on being 100% plant-based and um, trying to make our customer understand that this is truly higher quality food, better for you, yourself, better for our planet. And so um, we've taken some inspiration, obviously, some from some high quality brands. We've looked at some, you know, some similar competitors and to see what they're doing. But uh, we want to maintain a high quality image and, uh, of course, um, show that image through all of our branding initiatives. Did it take a long time to develop your menu? Yeah, the menu development was a process, uh, and Rio can contest to that. It was, uh, I believe, about two years uh, that we worked really on defining the menu, obviously working with plant-based foods. It, uh, it was a process to not only make something delicious, but that could be duplicated and uh, a product that can be consistent across the chain. And uh, as we grow, that consistency is always uh, going to be a factor, but uh, our menu development uh, is ongoing. We are constantly making improvements, and Rio was uh, very passionate at the beginning of creating a very solid and a very great tasting chef inspired menu. Now, Rio, your previous experience, your previous franchise fast food experience was not exactly so plant based. Uh, was it difficult to to create that menu to to find the right the right products, the right ingredients? Did it take a lot of legwork, a lot of searching? It actually did. Um, I remember actually uh, creating a menu. And uh, we had to scrap the whole thing just before opening because it just didn't work. Uh, not because people may not like it, but it was maybe too complex for the type of business and the type of service we wanted to, uh, to do. So we had to adapt uh, many, many times. And uh, it's, it's ongoing all the time. Like basically R&D for food. And I'm a foodie, so I love food. And uh, uh, it's just 
you know, we we uh, we try to uh, inspire people with great tasting food, and we want to be creative, and we want to have uh, new things that people will love to eat. And at the same time, they don't have to think that it's a plant based or a vegan menu or whatever. It's just great tasting food for us, which what, happens to be great for our bodies. Were you creating the like the the menu and the ingredients, or you hired? head chefs or development team to We to work do that. with uh, many teams. Yeah, we've had uh, several chefs and uh, we work with different people all the time who consult us on food and we, we get inspiration uh, from uh, magazines or uh, online, uh, you know, information and uh, we, we try to develop them, we test them. Yeah, we, we like to... Uh, has, it, has it been a similar kind of food product development team since the beginning or have you added a little bit of experience or variety? Since you started, how when did, when did you start this? By the way, it's about four years now. Right, four years, including the planning stage. Yeah, no, a little that, that longer, would be including the planning stage. Yes. So, including from the beginning of the planning stage mm-hmm. to today, mm-hmm. have you kind of gone through different uh, food experts and and chefs? Have you yeah, evolved so a little? Yeah, so many. And the more creative, the better. We've gone through, uh, you know, kooky ones and uh, kooky ones. Yeah, kooky ones because you know. I think uh, being a chef is uh, being an artist. So, uh, you know, a lot of things uh, can go. Has there been food. a dish that didn't make it to the menu? Lots of dishes didn't make it to the menu. Anything for anything comes anything comes to mind? Uh tart uh, tartan. It was with eggplants, rice and uh uh vegan cheese on top and we had to bake it and then we had to flip it on a dish and every time we flipped it it just didn't work. <laughs> and it was very labor intensive. So, so simpler the better, yeah. I guess. Simple's good. Yeah. We'll talk more about uh, about Copper Branch and about plant-based nutrition with Andrew and Rio Infantino of Copper Branch in just a little second. Plus, Natalie Riviere of Pivizio will join us on the do's and don'ts of online branding that's on the way on today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. And this evening, we're chatting with Andrew and Rio Infantino of Copper Branch. You may have seen these uh, vegan, um, fast casual stores all around Montreal. There's a few locations now. And uh, later in the program, and just a little bit, we're going to talk to uh, Natalie Riviere of Pivizio on marketing and the do's and don'ts of online branding. But first, Andrew and Rio, father-son team, um, putting forward a very interesting business when Montreal is really sold on on vegan restaurants lately it seems um here's a question tough question what's it like working with family and how do you solve problems so for me it's been we'll, uh, we'll let the we'll let the son answer first right we'll let <laughs> yeah. the dad take it afterwards it's been i think a positive experience obviously there are hard days obviously there are very very good days but at the end of the day it's really uh working at copper branch and working with my father i want to see my father succeed i want to see the brand succeed and so we get through many th- different difficulties. We get through all our problems. And um, I just want to see the success of my father and of the brand. And so it's been positive And uh, I'm really looking forward to the future of, uh, of us working together. And uh, I, I can't be happier uh, about yeah. it. So, so Rio, do you agree with that statement? We butt heads a lot, that's for sure. And Andrew could be really, really stubborn. And sometimes I have to fire him. <laughs> but uh, but you rehire him 30 <laughs> seconds later, he's yeah. rehired. He knows he's going to be rehired sooner or later. Yeah. But it's really funny the way actually uh, we started with Andrew. I never uh, formally uh, invited him uh, to the business. He sort of became uh, a natural progression. 
when uh, I remember when we started our landing page, uh, our first website, I just I just wasn't happy with the content. And uh, Andrew, for some reason, saw my disappointment and uh, he picked up a book, learned how to uh, make a web page and designed the whole new uh, web uh, web landing page for me. And wow, I said, this is great. And since then, he's been uh, leading our uh, branding and uh, marketing. And we'll come back to branding and marketing in a moment, but let's just talk because it's not just the two of you. How many no. How many people are you? How many employees? We have an amazing members? team. Uh, I mean, we uh, we have uh, a new uh, C, uh, COO uh, who's just uh, really structuring us, and he's brought in a lot of uh, a lot of uh, corporate uh, ideas, and uh, you know, he's taken us uh, to a, a bigger place. How many people are you and, today? Uh, we're about 150 with all the uh, with the crew, with the with staff. Yeah, the staff, all, part, all the different stores, part time, full time, all that yeah. jazz. Yeah. How do you maintain the same culture throughout all locations and all those people? I think uh, at the end of the day, we really want to create a culture of, you know, of growth, positivity, and um, really focusing on the product. And so within our stores, it's a culture that puts the customer first, that uh, puts the food first. And within our corporate culture, it's a culture that fosters growth and um, success. And so we take good care on obviously all of our different projects that we have going on. And we work really closely as a team. And like Rio said, we have an incredible team. And it's really, uh, it's truly amazing to work with such passionate, experienced and knowledgeable people. And uh, together we are creating some amazing projects and really uh, seeing through the success of Copper Branch. To have the consistency of product from location to location, the consistency of service, it must require a certain level of discipline that gets trained and that kind of flows throughout each location. Is that hard to to instill that discipline amongst the, the, the leaders of, of the various locations that you have? It's definitely a challenge, and uh, we're in the process of putting in our systems in place, and uh, this is the ultimate uh, uh, need for a franchise system. You really have to put the processes uh, available, and we're developing them, and I do come from that background, and I realize they're extremely important, and uh, we do uh, emphasize them a lot. So the process that you're putting in place is not for a franchise group of 10. It's for a franchise group of maybe hundreds. We always talk in thousands. In thousands. So whatever. How many locations do, are you today? Uh, we're about fifteen. Okay, so but, you're uh, you're a couple you know, of zeros away. Not <laughs> we're many. getting there. Yeah, yeah, we're but close. We're close. But close. Yeah. yeah. So so now now franchises and and you were a franchisee for a number of years. Mm -hmm. uh, you you're now a franchisor. Mm -hmm. There there is a, there is a transition. I'm sure you're familiar with documents. You're familiar with with legal agreements. Uh, is it difficult to find franchisees? We don't find it's that difficult at all. We, we do get a lot of inquiries, uh, and we need to screen uh, the people as best we can because uh, it does make a big difference in the end uh, who you choose to represent your brand. And the screening process or the vetting process, I, I'm sure, is, is hugely important. Has it changed today from the beginning, and what do you look for in a franchisee? What's, what's yeah. the, the biggest assets? It's changed uh, significantly. Uh, we, we definitely want to talk to them more. We want to... We want to see if they uh, believe in the lifestyle, if they uh, en enjoy this type of food, why they want to go into business. It's not always about money. And I think that's what's interesting right now. The people that approach us for franchising, uh, they're not in it for the money. They really do believe in the lifestyle. So it's really interesting to work with people of that nature. 
And I guess you've also been on the other side. You've been that franchisee, so you know when a franchisor is maybe doing something that, that might not be palatable to a franchisee, uh, example, uh, territory. Mm-hmm. You know, do, what is what is your take on territory and franchisees? Do you Is there going to be a lot of overlap in your thousands of locations? You're going to try and live within certain, certain boundaries to help your franchisees. Yeah, we believe in putting um, a copper branch basically uh, in a population base of about 20,000 uh, people, which uh, should definitely give enough breathing room for each uh, location. And that's not something that necessarily other franchises or franchisors obey. So that was something you learned as a franchisee saying you mm-hmm. didn't really want to uh, yeah. you, you didn't you didn't want to stamp out the fire of franchisees. You want to let them thrive and flourish. Exactly. Thrive and flourish and uh, we don't want to diminish the brand by having too many sites and being redundant. Was it difficult to when cuz you're you're creating these processes for a thousand, do you find it too strict? Like are the franchisees able to follow them? They really are, and I think uh, deep down they really appreciate it because it actually protects uh, their investment. If uh, they uh, stay within the parameters, well, then they're uh, protecting uh, the brand and uh, customers get consistency, and that's what drives the whole business in the end if you're a franchise system. And I know, Andrew, we didn't get to the marketing side yet, but we're getting to that in just a <laughs> few moments because uh, I know you have a few things to say about that as we as we chat with Natalie sure. from, from Pivizio about the do's and don'ts of online branding. So Natalie joins the conversation in a, just a second and chatting with Andrew and Rio Infantino of Copper Branch on today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Today's entrepreneur, Dan Delmar and Josh Miller with you. And this evening, we're chatting with Andrew and Rio Infantino of Copper Branch. You may have noticed these new fast casual restaurants all over Montreal, uh, vegan food. And we're here with... Power uh, food. It's power, power food. food. Sorry, power food. Puissance végétale. Uh, and Natalie Riviere joins us from PVizio on online branding, the do's and don'ts. Welcome back, Natalie. Thank you so much. So let's start with uh, with this brand, perhaps, Josh. It's a very interesting brand. Um, it's It also, I was telling uh, you guys during the break, it feels well-engineered and familiar. You put a lot of time into this brand. No question. But, the, you know, as, you, as you're building a brand or as anybody builds a brand, you know, there, I'm, I'm sure there's some do's and don'ts that, that, that can be had, like pitfalls to avoid and, and things that you shouldn't really ignore. So I guess Natalie will turn to you and wherever you want to start, the do's or the don'ts, as you wish, as you're building your online brand. I guess um, what I'd want everyone to remember, uh, and we don't often approach online marketing this way, but a do that I would suggest is that do put yourself first as the entrepreneur. Uh, do put your business first and do what will raise the value of your brand. Um, particularly when we hit social media, if we're giving them our, all our links, all our content, all our photos, it lives on their servers. They essentially own that content. Um, so I would definitely do invest and in taking the time to build the content on your own websites. Make sure that as you blast out there, uh, there are conversion paths to your own database, your own uh, signups, and that you keep those friends, you keep these relationships uh, housed and based in the tools that you own. 
one of the items that we were speaking about at the top of the show was being able to to measure to take those analytics uh, you know as we look at trends for 2018 and in, in bi and business intelligence it's knowing what to do with all that data but you got to make you got to know that you have it first so would you include that in one of your dues 100 percent. it's in the tools that you own that you get the best data that you have the most access to it that you can get the most information from it um, the social channels, uh, the free tools, it's very nice if they offer it, if, it, when they do. Some days it's abundant, some days it's very limited. You, you know, these are free tools. We can take them for what they're worth. We can um, enjoy them and, and maximize them while they're there, but you don't want to put all your eggs in that basket or count on that information. Are there a couple of specific tools or free tools that, that you use or you see people that they could use? Uh, for email marketing, MailChimp's pretty popular. It's a very easy way to get into uh, newsletters. And then the social channels that are the most generous. Um, Facebook does give insights. Twitter stats are phenomenal at this point. Uh, they did not give a lot originally, but have evolved. Uh, Instagram gives a lot of insights as well. And what about some of the don'ts? What are the, some of the, the areas or items that maybe entrepreneurs shouldn't do or should you know, be aware of? I guess the biggest one, and I am particularly sensitive, uh, marketing food and plant-based nutrition in particular. I'm a big fan myself. I'm plant-based. It's the hardest subject I've ever come across to market, and not just online, just in general. It's such a sensitive issue. It represents culture, tradition. It's very, very intimate. We become what we eat. It's that intimate. Um, what I would say don't do is ignore the hot topics, ignore the, the feedback that comes in that might not always be so positive. The negative uh, feedback, negative conversations, sometimes they're the loudest people, but they can also become the loudest evangelists. Uh, these are essentially some of the best marketing opportunities is how to handle and uh, address um, difficult conversations and negative feedback. And I, I guess I'll, I'll turn to Andrew. You know, you're, you're dealing with all the online, the social media. Mm -hmm. uh, what, have, what has worked for you and have you had to deal with some of these evangelists or some of these uh, you know, comments online and how have you dealt with them? So uh, social media has been great for sure. And obviously, uh, we try to keep a, uh, a high quality image. We post a lot of content of our food and, of course, even of uh, some great videos we have. Uh, we're fortunate to be partnered with some incredible athletes and nutritionists uh, that are uh, great patrons of the brand. And uh, our, you know, our goal is to always stay active on social media and, and always post content. But of course, uh, respond to our customers' comments, uh, respond to any negativity that we might receive. And uh, of course, we take uh, all comments very seriously. Uh, we translate these comments back to our operations and to our menu development. And so um, we definitely do take these comments very seriously and are always working on uh, elevating the brand and uh, elevating our engagement, uh, especially on social media. Natalie, as, as one of the, the don'ts or the do's, people on social media, you know, it takes a lot of time and effort and energy. Is there such thing as either too many posts or not enough posts? And does it matter depending on which platform you're looking at? A hundred percent, it matters on the platform. And I guess uh, what I usually talk about is if you were to look at it as what is the bare minimum I can do on social? Because again, these tools aren't owned by you. It's a vehicle to get them towards where you can harvest your relationships with your patrons. Um, so if you were to basically Google yourself, that's where you're going to find social. I also like to plant the seed of using social as a search engine technique. And so I can't guarantee you that your posts will be seen if you're not boosting them, but I can guarantee you that people are going to Google you and that what they're going to find is your social. And so with one swipe and the three second attention span that they might have for you, what is the impression that you're going to give? 
and what's the bare minimum you can do on that channel to influence that impression and convert them back to your tools. So it makes a difference your strategy between Facebook, between Twitter, Instagram, and how often or not that you post. Absolutely. They are all very different beasts. What would you say is a quick rule of thumb or, you know, post more on Instagram, less on Facebook, more on LinkedIn? Like, is there anything that maybe in thinking of either this brand or, or in general? Quality over quantity, I think, applies across the board, especially from a professional business standpoint. Um, Instagram and Twitter is where you can get away with uh, many posts. You, there's conversations going on, trends changing all the time. You definitely uh, won't be drowned out and have the opportunity to uh participate in abundance on those two. Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, those are where I'd say, uh, again, if someone Googled you and saw, what would make them feel like you were outdated? Maybe you'd want to post weekly to stay relevant as a brand and use this as a window into what it's like to experience your company and like everything else, like everything else, pay attention, be mindful of everything you do. Thank you very much, Natalie. Including what you eat. Including what you eat, of course. Plant-based, awesome. <laughs> So as we approach the last moments of the show, we'll, we'll turn to both uh, Rio and Andrew and, and ask you guys, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? For today's entrepreneur, I'd say absolutely uh, live your dream. Um, be passionate about what you're doing. You can do it. Try to set your fear aside and uh, you live uh, large. I mean, just uh, do what you uh, want to do and uh, live the dream. You can do it. Excellent. Thanks very much, Rio. And Andrew? I'd say to uh, the same degree, passion is really, um, at the end of the day, what's really required. And I think moving forward in whatever the project might be, you have to really uh, be passionate about the future outcome. Days will be difficult and obviously um, projects will be very intense. But if you have that passion and that drive and um, if you love what you're doing, then obviously it's going to be great. Great. Thanks a lot, guys. Dan, my quick takeaway is they had this great knowledge base, this great experience, and they took it and turned it into something that they both love. They used that knowledge for good, not for evil, but they used it to create a phenomenal brand. Andrew and Rio Infantino of Copper Branch. Best of luck, guys. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks Thank to Nelly Rivera of Pivizio as well on marketing. And Josh, back next Monday night at 7 here on CJAD, our friends at uh, Ticket 911. That should be some useful information. There you go. See you then.